We're going to be talking about Missio Day uh, today. We do this every year. We talk about uh, the idea of the mission of God. And, uh, and yes, I know I'm, I'm wearing this on purpose. It's, so, uh, and you'll understand why in a minute. Um, but I'm going to start by reading out of Matthew 25. This is sometimes called the parable of the sheep and the goats. Uh, it's really not a parable, actually. It's a prophecy. And Jesus uh, teaches, saying, When the Son of Man comes in His glory and all the angels with Him, then He will sit on the throne of His glory. All the nations will be gathered before Him, and He will separate people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. And He will put the sheep at His right hand and the goats at the left. So I thought, you know, y'all can kind of decide, you know, let's see, this is right now and this is left, or if I do it this way, this is right. And this. So I don't, I don't know which one y'all are this morning, but... Then the king will say to those at his right hand, <clears throat> Come you that are blessed by my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me food. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you welcomed me. I was naked, and you gave me clothing. I was sick, and you took care of me. I was in prison, and you visited me. And then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when was it that we saw you hungry and gave you food, or thirsty and gave you something to drink? And when was it that we saw you a stranger and welcomed you, or naked and gave you clothing? And when was it that we saw you sick or in prison and visited you? And the king will answer them, Truly I tell you, just as you did it to one of the least of these who are members of my family, you did it to me. Now, there's a couple of things I was just going to say about this passage right quick. For, uh, for all those folks who argue that Jesus really didn't understand himself as the divine son of God, you know, when you read through this, he, here he is uh, telling them that he, at the end of the ages, he's going to be the one who basically is passing judgment or dividing the, the sheep and the goats. So uh, it's a pretty clear statement of, of his authority and of the divinity of his nature. So uh, there's a few other passages uh, in Scripture where that's very clear, but this is one of them. But the other thing I want to point out to you that really this morning is more germane to what we're doing is that, that when he says this to the folks, uh, to the sheep, the sheep don't go, well, thank you, Jesus. We're glad, we're glad you noticed that. We've been working on that for a long time, so we're glad you finally woke up and noticed what we were doing. What they say is, well, when did we do that? Because instead of being something that they have planned to do and something that they're very conscious of, it, it, it's something that they have been doing because it just flows naturally out of their relationship with Christ. And, and that's, that's the big difference between whether you're doing this for yourself or whether you're doing this as part of God's mission. So let's pray. Father, we ask you to come and be present with us this morning. Let your spirit rest on us and open our hearts and our minds to what you want to say to us. May the words of my mouth, may the meditation of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, for you are our rock and our redeemer. Amen. So I want to uh, kind of walk through a couple pieces of scripture here as, as first we kind of get a hold of, of God's mission in the world. And the first is when Jesus uh, says it very clearly in the early in the gospel of John, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son so that everyone who believes in him may not perish but may have eternal life. In God, indeed, God did not send the Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through Him. Now, the understanding that part of God's mission is to come and save the world, that the world is, is lost, 
Uh, and so Jesus comes not to condemn, but Jesus comes as the life giver and the, the savior of the world that already is in that place of lostness. And, and Jesus claims this as part and parcel of him and, and part of what keeps him going. Uh, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to complete his work. I mean, he understands that this is what he's sent for. And, and then he takes this mission that he's been charged with and he commissions his disciples to continue to work in that. All authority in, earth, in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you. And remember, I'm with you always to the end of the age. Again, you know, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. He doesn't give away that authority. He doesn't give it to us, but the authority remains with him. The teaching remains with him, and we are supposed to share what he has taught us and to obey, uh, teach people to obey all that he has taught us and commanded us. So again, it, the, the mission still belongs to, to God, not to us. But he tells us, even as he commissions us to carry out in this and be part of this, that he will be with us in the presence of the Spirit to the end of the age. Paul reflects on that later on and reminds us that, that the grace that we stand in is a gift that allows us and that we do good works in response to that gift. He says, for by grace you've been saved through faith. This is not your own doing. It's the gift of God, not the result of works, so that no one may boast. For we are what he has made us, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand to be our way of life. And he's reminding us that, you know, we don't do the good works as a way of earning God's grace and of earning salvation, but rather that that is a gift of God's love to us. And that in that gift, when we have been redeemed, we're restored to that original image that we were created in. And our purpose is restored to be doing these good works, not to earn God's grace, but in response to God's grace. This is what we are to be about. We're to participate in what God is doing in the midst of the world. Jürgen Moltmann wrote and said, it is not the church that has the mission of salvation to fulfill in the world. It is the mission of the Son and the Spirit through the Father that includes the church. The mission belongs to God. God the Father sends the Son. God the Father and the Son send the Holy Spirit. God the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit send the church. We participate in it, but it is God's mission. To participate in mission is to participate in the movement of God's love toward people, since God is a fountain of sending love. This love of God that we talked about earlier in that statement ago, you know, God's mission of love transforming the world. That love is going out, and God has invited us to be part of that and to participate in that. And the church of Jesus Christ is not the purpose or goal of the gospel. The church of Jesus Christ is not the purpose or goal of the gospel. In other words, it's not all about us, but rather it's instrument and witness. God's mission is calling and sending us, the church of Jesus Christ, to be a missionary church in our own societies, in the cultures in which we find ourselves. And in that last sentence, I remind you, it's not just about being a missionary somewhere else, it's about being a missionary to the people that live over your back fence and next door to you and across the street from you. That we are to be a presence and a sign and a symbol and a manifestation of God's love in the midst of the world, wherever we are, whenever we are. Now, having said all of that, my experience is that 
Most of us can kind of understand that and, and admit it, but most of the time it's, it's harder to live into it. Uh, instead of living into Missio Dei, God's mission, it's much easier for us to live into Missio Ego, which is my mission. Uh, you know, it's so much easier for us, and I've been in lots and lots and lots of church meetings over the years where we all sit down and we talk about what needs to happen, and we make our plans, and we figure out how it's going to cost and who's going to do it, and we, we get it all together. And after we've figured out everything about what we do, then we invite God to come and bless it. And you know, if it doesn't go really well, we say, oh, well, we just need to work harder at that. And so we, we work harder at that. And if it doesn't go really well, then we say, well, everybody else needs to be doing this. And so then we go and we start trying to make everybody else do what we think needs to happen. And, and then when it still doesn't go well, we get frustrated and we get cynical and we get burned out. Because we've never discerned whether or not that is actually what God wants to happen. Instead, it's our plan. I mean, how many of you have sat in one of those meetings where you all come in and say, well, let's, let's plan out the year. And so we start writing ideas up on the board or on the butcher paper sheets, you know, and everybody lists all these ideas. And, and then, okay, let's all pick our top five. And we pick our top five. Okay, well, let's narrow it down to three. And you go through that process until you decide what it is you're going to do. But Missio Day is about discerning where God is already at work and joining together with God's work. Instead of saying, I want to do this, we're looking for God wants to do this. Instead of saying, I think this is what needs to happen, we go and we say, what does God think? And most of the time we find that answer in Scripture. Instead of saying, we should be doing this, we say, hey, God is already doing this. Instead of deciding that we can solve this problem, and, you know, frankly, if we could solve all the world's problems, you know, I mean, the world wouldn't be in the shape it's in. Um, we say, well, well, God is working on this. God is solving this. Instead of working on my plan or our plan is this, we say God's plan. We look for what God's plan is. When we run into difficult situations or things fall apart, instead of saying who's at fault and who do we blame, we ask the question, how can God be glorified in this? Instead of getting frustrated and saying, well, it's just impossible, we walk in a faith that says, with God, all things are possible. And instead of understanding that I am in charge, we know that in everything we do, Jesus is Lord. So we attempt to follow God's lead on this. The mission of God flows directly through every believer and every community of faith that adheres to Jesus to obstruct this is to block God's purposes in and through God's people. To understand that when we take that and we begin to own that, instead of trusting God to know what God's doing, when we decide that we have to take charge of it and we have to make the decisions and we have to make all the plans, not only do we sometimes end up missing the mark of what God wants to have happen, we can actually end up obstructing what God wants to have happen. And I want you to hear that that is more fundamentally difficult to do than what most of us understand. Um, down in Port Lavaca, my son's in his second year, and his leaders decided we need to start planning and deciding what we're going to do this year. And, and so they all got together, and, you know, they wanted to do the thing with, the, you know, Mark writing things and talking about ideas and all that. And he said, you know, before we do that, I think we ought to pray about this for a while and, and kind of discern, you know, what God might be leading us to do. And so they agreed. 
And so over a period of many weeks, they, they gathered and they had these times of prayer when they sat down and they prayed about it and, and waited for God to speak uh, into them uh, what it was that God wanted to lead. And, and it took hours and hours and hours to do that. But the interesting thing was after about the first 30 minutes, the first time, there were already folks going, oh, oh we've prayed enough. Now we need to do something, right? That's who we are. You know, we don't want to wait on God, and we don't want to trust God to lead us. Instead, we want to take over. And when we do that, sometimes not only do we miss the mark, but sometimes we get in God's way. Missio Day is always a reminder that, that we are joining together with what God is doing. In this congregation over the past eight years, the largest project that we have been involved with and the largest partnership we've been involved with with God has been the one taking place in Matete, Kenya. And uh, that's part of why I have the shirt on. Uh, and uh, I was over there this past August. Uh, World Vision took a group of pastors from around the country uh, into the project so that they could see it. And they asked me to go along kind of as an interpreter and a guide to, to help people know uh, what they were seeing. I was a little worried uh, because I didn't know any of these people. And, you know, you're traveling a long way with them. Uh, but it actually ended up being a great group to travel with. And as you can tell, uh, it was obviously a group that was a lot of fun to travel with. Uh, you know, there's nothing that bonds you with people more than sitting on a plane for 30 hours. Um, but, um, but we had a great time as we went into the area and got to ex show it to them. And, and as I did that, you know, it reminded me of, of some of the things that I want to remind you of this morning about what's happened in that project. One of the places we went was the Kivaiwa School. It's only one of several schools, a number of schools in the area, but it's one that we've gone back to year after year. Uh, the first year we went, this is what a classroom in that school looked like. Um, when we went last summer, this building had been completely reworked and refinished, and it looked like this. Uh, so, you know, in a period of eight years, it went from that. When we went the first year, they had 400 students. When we went last year, they had 1,000 students. They now have 1,100 students in class. This is important because in this area, normally around the ages of 12 or 13, uh, children, uh, the boys are sent out into the fields to work and hired out. Uh, the girls often are sold into a marriage. Um, the boys, if they start doing that and they drop out, their education never improves, and they, they're kind of locked into that level of, of uh, poverty for the rest of their life. Uh, the girls that are married early and begin having children at an early age uh, frequently die before the age of 45. Uh, so uh, keeping them in school and getting them educated is a key part of improving their lives. Uh, and so this is the group that we saw uh, last year. And uh, a lot of those uniforms and a lot of those backpacks are, are items that World Vision provided to them. And in the midst of them, there was an elite group of uh, older students who were in a uh, competitive group who did uh, spoken poetry. And uh, it, it's very precise. I mean, it is not only do the words all have to match, but facial gestures, hand gestures, everything is all choreographed as they move through this. They went to the national competition and they took third place in the country last year. Uh, when I arrived this year, they were very proud to bring out their trophy from this year and show me that they had taken first place uh, in the national competition. And yes, that thing's about three feet tall. They were very proud of that to bring it out and show us what they had, had accomplished. Uh, a huge change over a period of eight years from uh, not only the physical plant, but the attitude of the whole community toward the importance of these kids being in school and being educated. When we first went, uh, these were what the restroom facilities looked like in uh, uh, most of the schools and, and public areas of Kenya. I know you're all wanting to try it out. Uh, but now uh, what's happened over the past several years is a number of VIP latrines have been built. 
Um, now, I need you to know that that means ventilated improved pit latrine. Uh, there's still no running water in that thing, but the sanitation and the hygiene is greatly improved uh, from what they had before, and that's made a huge difference in the health of the community, along with the availability of medical care and uh, uh, medications that are being uh, distributed through various dispensaries in the area. Now, with that also was a uh, very intense focus on providing safe drinking water. And that's actually what we kind of started working with this project to start with. That was kind of the first impetus into this project. Uh, this is a seep in one of the areas. Uh, this is a place where a lot of people came and got water from locations like this. Uh, not only did they have to travel a long distance to get water, uh, but a lot of times they got water that looked like this, and of course, you know, the animals have walked in it, and it's just a, a real breeding ground for all kinds of illness. Uh, and since then, uh, the system, there have been three water systems brought up in the area that now serve about 95% of the population. And this is one of the wells and uh, it's been built and uh, servicing these areas and bringing them safe, clean water. Now, let me tell you how big a deal that is. When we first went... Two out of every five children would die before the age of five. It was a 40% mortality rate before the age of five uh, from malaria and waterborne illnesses. When we were back there this summer, there was a chart in the Matete Water Systems uh, office, and that's the first system that got up and running. There was a chart graphing all these kinds of things. And in the first six months of this year, in that water system, there was not a single case of report of waterborne illness being reported. Uh, so it's a huge difference. And remember, there's 38,000 children in this area. So when you talk about that kind of a percentage shift, you're talking thousands and thousands of children who formerly would have died and who are now living. Uh, it was a huge movement in this group. The thing that struck us last year and that we continued to see this year that was uh, really hit us was the shift in the actual uh, mindset, if you will, of the community and their way of understanding things. That they have gone from understanding themselves as being the focus of mission to being in mission to others in the community. Um, one of the groups that we uh, have visited several times is called the Bali Bio CBO, a community-based organization. It's a local group that comes together and starts a business or an enterprise. Uh, this was begun by a group of five women. Uh, they started off meeting underneath a tree. Uh, for the purpose of finding a better way to provide for themselves and for their children. And they started off grinding peanuts into peanut butter and selling that, and, uh, and also uh, sesame into tahini and selling that. Uh, and that was kind of how they started off. And then that business generated some money, and so they decided to expand their business model a little. So they went to a local farmer, and they said, you know, you don't need this acre of land. You need to give it to us to start a plant nursery on. And to give you some idea of these ladies' sales ability, he did it. <laughs> he just gave them the land. Uh, and, uh, I mean, these women can sell anything, I think. Uh, and, uh, and so they began a plant nursery, and that generated income. And then they decided they would start a catering business, and that generated income. And as you can see here, this is one of their tents. They now have tents, tables, and chairs to handle up to 200 people at an event. Uh, and so they are catering all over the region. Uh, they now own a couple of commercial buildings. They have several rent houses they own, and they are getting ready to build a big hall with a kitchen so they can actually host events indoors instead of under the tents for up to 200 people. Uh, these five women started this business. They now employ a number of other people. Uh, there's a number of men employed underneath them in the business, but those five women still run the show. Uh, and they are, uh, I mean, they are extraordinary people. Uh, to work with. They have done that, and uh, last year, uh, Beatrice, who is the, uh, one of the key people in this, 
showed off the trophy that the Matete ADP received from Kenya World Vision as the best ADP in the country. And you can see the pride on her face and on the faces of those that are with her as they're uh, showing us this trophy that they received. Um, one of the things that's happened in this group is they've got this great business model coming, and incidentally, their, their peanut butter is now sold nationwide in Kenya and in Tanzania. Uh, and so one of the things that uh, came out of that was uh, they decided that they would start taking over um, the supervision of child sponsorship in the area. So, you know, when you write a letter, someone has to take that letter, translate it if needed, and get it out to wherever the child lives and then bring their letter to you back. And they're scattered all over the county. So, you know, it's, it's quite a large area and some of them are pretty hard to get to. Uh, just the, the transportation issues of, of reaching some of these areas. Uh, I know the day we went to see my sponsored child while I was over there this past summer, it took us about 45 minutes uh, to, to just to get, and we were in a vehicle, not on foot or on a bicycle. Uh, so it, it, it's a big job they do that, but they also, when they go out and take those letters, they're checking on your child to see, are they healthy? Are they in school? Are they doing well? Are they being treated well? Uh, they're, they're monitoring that child's welfare in doing that. The Bali Bio CBO has taken over the role of training people and supervising people who do that work as volunteers in the community. And their intent is whenever the time comes that World Vision is winding down and moving their staff out of the area, they intend to continue uh, to be the champions for children in that area. Uh, they've taken that on. They have, uh, they'll talk about, you know, we prayed and we prayed and we prayed for somebody to come and, and help us. And God sent World Vision into the midst of us. And, and, and once we had been blessed with all of this, we felt like now God was calling us to be part of this. That's Missio Day. They've stepped in and joined together with God in doing this partnership in that community. In a similar way, the um, Matete water system, which was the first one that got up and running, uh, ha has joined together with what God is doing over there. The water system uh, charges a fee for uh, people to use it, and uh, that provides for their staff, and it provides for maintenance of the equipment. But they realized a couple of years ago that they actually you know, were, had a little bit of money to work with, and so the question was, well, what do we do with that? Um, in that area then, what they did was they went to uh, uh, three young women who were uh, 15, 16 years of age, whose families had put them up to be sold into marriage, and, uh, and they went and they, uh, they basically paid the dowry for those three young women, brought them on board as interns at the water system and began training them. Uh, and uh, the idea here is in the next year or two, as they finish, uh, and they're finishing their school, as they finish their education locally, in a year or two, they'll be going to Nairobi and starting at University of Nairobi. And the water system will be paying their tuition for them to do that. And these are the three young ladies uh, that, have been, that they have been working with. Uh, the gentleman on the left is Pastor Odell out of Baltimore. And the man on the right is uh, Pastor Jay out of the Fort Worth area. The other thing they've done now is they have, now that these young ladies are getting ready to graduate out of school and move to university, is the water system has identified and taken on nine other younger men and women uh, and children in the community who they're going to work with and and sponsor an intern. So again, this, this water system that started off to, to answer a need and saw itself as, oh, you're going you're gonna to help us do this so we, you know, we can be healthy and so forth, now understands this, this other role of now they're, they're helping other people to, to raise the whole standard of living, uh, educating the future leaders of the community. And so they've stepped into that role, uh, going where God is leading them. All of that is, is facilitated by an amazing staff of young men and women in that area. Uh, these are all highly dedicated, committed young men and women. 
Uh, this is at the Wabuye Falls, incidentally. And uh, all of these folks have, you know, bachelor's, master's, and Ph.D. degrees. Uh, they're all very educated, very committed. They all can make a lot more money doing something else. But if you were to ask them, every one of them would say, this is where we think God has called us to be. And, and they are committed, dedicated, amazing young men and women. I mean, Missio Day, God's moving in this area, and people are, are partnering with that, partnering with what God is doing. And, and more is happening there, more transformation is occurring there than I think anybody ever imagined would be possible. Because when we join together with what God is doing, there, there really are not limits to what can happen. Now, uh, that's the biggest project we're involved in. And uh, if you, it, in this setting, to kind of put it in, in context, uh, this project in Matete is funded by donations. And one-third of those donations come out of this congregation. So they're funded out of donations all, from all over the world. But one-third of the total comes out of this congregation. Because this is what God has invited us into. Um, one of the young men that was with me on this trip um, came through town. He was in San Antonio and was going back to Dallas and stopped and uh, stopped and a had dinner with me a couple of weeks back. And we're sitting and talking about this and some other kinds of things that we're involved in. And he said, well, how did y'all decide to do all this? And I said, well, you know, I, I don't really know. I mean, it's not like we sat down and made out a plan and said, well, we're going to do this and then we're going to do this and then we're going to do this and then we're going to do this. I mean, it's just kind of like... You know, God opened the doors and we just walked through. And, and that's the way Missio Day works. God decides this is what we're going to be doing. This is where I'm going. This is what's going to happen. And then we're invited to join with him. This project is big. It's on the other side of the world, but it doesn't have to be big. and It doesn't have to be on the other side of the world. I mean, just a sampling of things that are going on, a sampling of the 52 different missions that we're doing in various places around. I mean, one is a backpack. Uh, these are, this is the blessing of the backpacks. Uh, children's ministry is involved in providing uh, school supplies and packs for kids in the community that otherwise would not be able to do that. Uh, prayer, uh, needlecraft ministry, we have nine needlecraft groups, which I'm still kind of astounded by. Uh, but these are the ladies doing the prayer shawls that we take to people who are in the hospital or people who are in hospice or folks that have lost a loved one. And, uh, you know, the first time you get to take one of those and give it to somebody and say, you know, this was made by some people in the church and they've prayed over this. And they want you to know that every time you wrap this around you, they want you to feel their prayers are with you. Uh, you understand what a powerful gift that is to somebody who's moving through a very difficult time. Samaritan Health Ministry provides a free or low-cost health care and dental care. And yes, we have people in this community that need that, and we partner with them in that effort. Uh, international Ministries, this is Mobility Worldwide, the uh, hand-crank trikes for people with mobility issues. And they're built to be durable, easily maintained, and to be uh, functional on pretty much any surface. Uh, we held their national uh, gathering here a couple of weeks ago and sponsored that here uh, and had it on the campus. And so uh, we continue to work with them. And John Rudd is the local kingpin on that if you have questions. 
A Christian Resource Center up on 183 is what most of you will know is the Twin Lakes Fellowship. Uh, they've st- established a, a big ministry up there. Uh, they do job training in 11 different fields. Uh, in plumbing and electrician, you can actually get trained to, be li- to receive your license uh, on their campus up there. And we partner with them in those efforts. We uh, build and repair houses in partnership with Hands on Housing here in the community, uh, which uh, does rehab and, and work like that, repair work on homes uh, for people that can't afford to do that work themselves. And we've been doing that on a regular basis for many, many years. Uh, one of the newer things that we're involved in is called Fresh Food for All through Hill Country Community Ministries, which distributes fresh produce, not just non-perishables, but fresh produce. Uh, they're out on our parking lot a couple of times uh, a month, uh, handing that out to folks who need that and uh, helping to feed the community with a healthier diet than just the non-perishable kinds of items. We partner with the Austin, Austin Disaster Relief Network uh, and uh, help folks in times of difficulty. This is uh, folks uh, doing work uh, in the aftermath of Hurricane Harvey uh, down on the coast. And then we have a number of mission trips that go out. This is the Palacios trip, uh, Mission by the Sea, uh, and this is the team that went. And, uh, you know, in, in a community of 4,000 people, this large a team is noticeable, well, I mean, they know that we're there, and uh, not only is it important that the, the young men and women go and work on people's homes, but just the fact that they come uh, tells the community of Palacios that, that God has not forgotten about them and gives them hope. All those are different ways that, you know, all came out of things where, where somebody, somebody saw the door open and said, yeah, I think that's where we need to go, and somebody walked through it, partnering with God. Missio Dei. So this week, what we're going to invite you to do is consider uh, where God might be opening a door for you. Uh, And we're going to do that in several different ways. Uh, One is there is a list of opportunities uh, that's in your bulletin, and there's folks in the gathering area at the close of the service. Uh, Some of these are things you can do right away, some of the things you can sign up for uh, that will happen later, but there are opportunities for you to be involved in that. And the other is the Matthew 25 Challenge shirt, insert, Um, The Matthew 25 challenge is a chance for you to experience a little bit about what it means to be uh, in a developing world kind of community. And there's different ways you can do that. But the easiest way is you take your cell phone, your smartphone, you text M25 to 44888. You can do that right now if you want to. Just get your phone out, text it over there to them. uh, And you'll get a, a message back saying, thank you for signing up or you're in or something like that. And then it'll say, pick a date. Our start date's tomorrow, October 21st, uh, and it'll have a letter beside it. I think it's an A now, and you just text the A back to uh, World Vision. And then starting tomorrow, every day, you'll get a text that'll have the devotion for the day and the activity for the day uh, and to help you understand what it means to live in a third world. It's stuff like uh, you're only going to drink water today, or you're going to eat beans and rice all day, or tonight you're going to sleep on the floor. Or I think Thursday is you wear the same clothes as you did on Wednesday. And for us guys, that's like, yeah, so. <laughs> but, but, but it's an opportunity to participate in that. And uh, if you don't want to do it on your phone, uh, Carrie and the group in the back have uh, sheets that will tell you how you can do it by email. Uh, and they can actually help you set it up if you need some help setting it up and, and getting it operating. Uh, but it's a chance for you just to have that experience and to kind of understand a little bit about what it means to live uh, in the developing world and the kind of struggles they do, uh, that they deal with all the time, uh, that we sometimes forget about. 
And all of that, whether you're, uh, whatever you're doing, uh, the point of it is not so you can pat yourself on the back and feel good about it. Uh, the point of all of it is the glorification of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Uh, it's not about feeling good about ourselves or earning God's favor. Or the, the, the point is to, to lift up God and to glorify God and honor God and live into what God is doing in the midst of the world uh, and to find deep blessing in knowing that God has honored you by inviting you to participate in what God is doing. So I encourage you to take advantage of that this week and just step into some place uh, someplace like that and discover uh, what doors God may be opening up for you to walk through. Let's pray. Mighty Father, we confess that when we look at the world, it is very easy for us to become overwhelmed uh, with everything that needs to happen. Uh, it's very easy for us to feel like we need to get going and we need to decide what to do. Uh, it is challenging for us to trust you uh, with this world. It's challenging for us to trust that you know what it needs to happen and when it needs to happen. So we ask that you come and you let your spirit rest on us today and as we move through this week and open us up to your leading, that instead of us trying to take charge of it and us trying to decide, we are willing to trust you and follow where you are leading. Uh, open the doors for us, lead us forward, that, that everything we might do might bring honor and glory to you. Uh, we ask this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.